Now it's time for Prescription for Healthcare, a monthly podcast collaboration between WFHB and Medicare for All Indiana. Our guest today is Dr. Ed Weisbart, a retired family physician from St. Louis and a chair of the Missouri Chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program. Dr. Weisbart lectures around the country on the problems and inequalities of our healthcare system and the need for single-payer Medicare for All. He was recently in Bloomington and Indianapolis giving presentations for medical students. We turn to host Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone for more. Bloomington, Indiana, welcome to Prescription for Healthcare on WFHB Community Radio, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana. I'm Karen Greenstone, along with Dr. Rob Stone. Hello. Our guest today is Dr. Ed Weisbart, a retired family physician from St. Louis and is chair of the Missouri Chapter of Physicians for a National Health Program. He lectures around the country on the problems and inequalities of our healthcare system and the need for a single-payer Medicare for All. Dr. Weisbart was recently in Bloomington and Indianapolis giving presentations to medical students. Our previous interview with Dr. Weisbart about direct contracting entities, DCEs, was aired on September 9th, 2021, and can be heard on the WFHB radio website. Welcome back to Prescription for Healthcare, Dr. Weisbart. Well, I thank you, Karen. Nice to see you. You have given over 600 presentations around the country about how to repair our broken healthcare system. In this current complicated policy environment, what do you see as the path forward to Medicare for all? The first and and most important thing to moving forward is to continue to push for the bill itself. There is proposed legislation in the House and Senate that if enacted, would create the very program that we are so fervently in pursuit of. So there's a bill in the House called H.R. 1976 that would establish what is pretty close to, I think, an ideal uh, program. So the first and most important thing um, is to continue uh, pushing for co-sponsors of this bill. People who want to find an action should reach out to their uh, members of members in the House. And the bill in the Senate uh, has is, is probably going to be reintroduced sometime in the next few weeks or months. I'm not quite sure when that's going to happen. There is a bill in the House, but it's now a couple of years old. So the first thing is to push for the bill in the House. And then the second piece is to really fight against, I believe, the movement to privatize Medicare. So we have the problem that there are insurance companies that are increasingly encroaching uh, upon Medicare and taking it over in a sense and turning traditional Medicare, the good old Medicare that we know and love, into a a weakened program and making their private for-profit oftentimes program stronger. So we talked in the last session about direct contracting entities, and we must do everything we can to keep that from completely corroding the program that we want. So listeners who want to know more about that should tune into that that session. But even aside from that, we need to prevent Medicare Advantage from getting any stronger foothold. The problem with Medicare Advantage, the reason I'm saying Medicare Advantage is something that we should oppose and we should strengthen traditional Medicare. The reason I'm saying that is that Medicare Advantage is designed to get in the way of healthcare. It's designed to do almost the opposite of what we think a good 
national health insurance program would do. They were designed to say, no, you can't go to this doctor. No, you can't go to this hospital. But they've managed to become so overfunded by the federal government for the corruption of our democracy. They've gotten so overfunded that they're able to have very low premiums, immediate expenses. And as a result, people are, are choosing it. So what we have to do to get to Medicare for all, one thing we have to do is strengthen and improve regular Medicare, traditional Medicare, so that the insurance companies don't have a niche where they can get in our way. That means we have to add in the missing benefits. We have to add in hearing and vision and dental into traditional Medicare. And that means we have to eliminate the co-pays and deductibles that are such barriers to healthcare. So as we know, the Congress is talking about adding in hearing, vision, and dental, but that makes the need for one more piece of what we have to advocate for incredibly important. If we only add in hearing, vision, and dental into Medicare, what's going to wind up happening is that the people who buy supplements to get rid of their copays and deductibles, those supplemental policies are going to become increasingly expensive, and more and more people will choose the commercial, the insurance version of Medicare, Medicare Advantage. So a really important thing to fight for right now on the road to Medicare for all is improving Medicare by eliminating or certainly greatly reducing the out-of-pocket expenses people have today. The niche that the insurance industry has found that they've gotten the government to overpay them for is that they put some restrictions on the out-of-pocket maximum. And so people in traditional Medicare buy a supplemental policy. So we need to make sure that supplemental policy stays affordable or not even necessary by eliminating or greatly curtailing the out-of-pocket maximum. So to me, that's the road forward right now is to strengthen traditional Medicare to keep it public and not private. A road forward that's being promoted by some, but I think is pretty risky, is a public option. So we could put a public version of Medicare into the commercial marketplace so that people could buy uh, Medicare instead of buying private commercial insurance. That would be pretty tricky. You could put a bad version of a public option like that on the marketplace pretty easily, but then why bother? But to get a good version of public option, the insurance industry would fight that tooth and nail too. So we would need, a, if we wanted to go down the road of a public option, it would have to have these characteristics would have to really be public. It couldn't be run by a commercial insurance company. It have to be really be public. In other words, essentially Medicare. It would have to be large and able to grow or only the sickest of people would pick it since it would probably be the best insurance on the market. So it would have to be large so that it doesn't only have sick people. And that means you have to let anybody who wants it buy it. You have to let anybody who's currently got insurance from an employer let them switch. If an employer wants to switch everybody into it, let the employer do that. If a state wants to move all of their Medicaid business into it, let them do that. And, and most importantly, for it to be large enough to be sustainable, I think you need to automatically enroll everybody who today is uninsured into the public option. And if you automatically enroll everybody who's uninsured into the public option, it would be large enough to sustain itself. But that would sound like a mandate. Therefore, if you automatically enroll everybody, which I think you need to, everybody who's uninsured into it, which I think you need to, you'd also have to allow them to easily opt out. So if we automatically enroll people, you have to let people who didn't want that easily say, hey, I didn't want that, and let them opt back out of it. So if you did that, we know from other studies that something like 85% of people would stay in the program. 
if you make it big that way, by letting anybody in, by letting employers shift, by letting states shift, and by letting by automatically enrolling people who could opt out, if you did that, then the attractiveness of the program to the very sick would be spread out across the entire population. And you could make a decent, but that's making a public option that good would be fought tooth and nail by the insurance companies anyway. So if we're going to have to fight the insurance companies tooth and nail, let's not fight for a partial solution. Let's fight for Medicare for all. We could do a better and a worse public option. Let's do a better one, not a worse one if we have to, but it's the wrong fight. Then two to four years fighting for a public option. We would spend two to four years implementing a public option and we would spend two to four years then assessing whether it worked. So six to 12 years from now, we would have been where we are right now, which is knowing that it's an inadequate and imperfect solution and Medicare for all is sitting there right in our face. Let's not waste that six to 12 years. Let's fight for the thing we know is right. I know that you have given many presentations on how to talk with people who disagree with you. And here we are in Indiana and you're in Missouri. And your recommendation is to talk to the legislators. We're not all represented by people who we can actually have a reasonable conversation with. So what advice do you have for those of us who live in red states on how to organize to support Medicare for all single-payer health care? So I'd say the, the first and most important thing is to show up. You got to show up. The opponents of, of what we're trying to do are incredibly well-funded, and they're able to bring out people to, do, to, to leverage at the point that they want. The pharmaceutical industry employs two lobbyists, two lobbyists for every person in Congress. The pharmaceutical industry employs two lobbyists for every person in Congress. How do you fight against that sort of vested interest? You do it by showing up. So we have to show up. And that means we show up for healthcare, but that means we got to show up for all the stuff that we think is right. If you're focused intensely on healthcare, you can't ignore the justice movement. You can't ignore the anti-racism movement. You can't ignore the environmental movement. All of these progressive-oriented changes are contingent upon repairing democracy. We all share that in common. The only way that we can repair democracy is if we all start showing up, collaborating outside of our own silos. And right in front of us, of course, on the table this month in most states is redistricting. Redistricting is gonna be the key to making democracy stronger or weaker over the next decade. We need to work on that. Dr. Weisbart, your words of wisdom are so greatly appreciated. Thank you for joining us today. This is Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone for Prescription for Healthcare on WFHB Community Radio, sponsored by Medicare for All Indiana. To your good health, everyone.